welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. Stop the rage. Now you know what we are. Now you know what you are. Never grow old, Michael. And you'll never die. But you must feed. I am a scientist. We'll tear your soul apart. Get me back, my head! Don't be afraid. No. Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood, as we continue our Universal Monster Month here on the Retro Blood. If you're into mummies, if you're into zombies, if you're into overacting on every scene, uh, this this is the movie for you, because we are talking all about the legendary demon man. The God of the Sun, the the Razor of Spirits, the man who creates devilly monster zombies that are mummies walking through the town, and if you're a model, you're fucked. That's right. I'm talking about the legend of Zepperman. Zepperman, Sifroman, Sifroman, or is it Zepperman? I don't, I don't. It's something like that. Anyway, everybody, this is the Retro Blood. We're talking about Donald the Mummy. J.A. Allison, James Conn over here. What's happening, Allison? How do you feel about our boy Zepperman? Zepperman? What's up, man? I think everybody that listens to the show is going to know that I picked this movie. Um, and I'm so <laughs> glad I did. I'm so glad I made you watch this. This movie was fantastic. This was pretty good. Like, even the, even the overacting. Like, I don't know where they found this fucking Rick guy. That guy, his facial expressions were great. Like fucking Jim Carrey, eat your heart out. Have you met our boy Rick over here? This guy is fucking, he he was happy about everything. I mean, this guy, he was fucking happy about finding this, this gold, happy to be working with these guys, happy blowing shit up, fucking happy finding everything. He also got some piece of ass in the movie too. Boy, this guy, oh, yeah. you know, he died at the end, so that sucked. But uh, he, he was so happy during this whole movie. But yeah, well, we got a lot of um, a lot of talking about when it comes to this episode mm-hmm. of the Retro Blood. This is our final um, episode talking about the Universal Monsters, and we are going to be talking all about mummies. So, so how do you feel about mummies, there, Allison? How do you feel about the mummy lore in the Universal Monster universe? I love it. It's like one of my favorite of the Universal Monster movies. I love all the mummy movies. Um, I, I've actually kind of gone in depth. Well, not real in depth cause I don't have it written down or anything, but about the, the lore of the, uh, 19, the universal monster movies from the thirties and the forties. And, um, when they take place in time, um, and, uh, I've kind of gone through and like figured out where they would actually be taking place. Because they, they jump way up hard, far into the future. So, like, one of them would have been actually, that was filmed in, like, the 40s, would have actually been taking place in the 1990s 
if you follow the lore from the original movie. But um, I love that first movie is fantastic. The one with Boris Karloff in it um, as Karis. That, that movie is so good. And I, and in this movie, I see a lot of that. You can definitely tell that that Frank Agrama when he made this movie was really influenced by Universal horror movies. There's no doubt about that. But I, I love them, I, especially the first uh, the first Mummy movie from '32 or whatever. I love that movie. Yeah, those are definitely pretty classic stuff. You know, I was thinking about to myself, you know, the mummy, and I was thinking it's kind of like the, it's not the, it's not like the most like popular universal monster that there is. You know, I think like you know, Dracula, werewolf, Frankenstein, they kind of take a little bit more lore onto themselves. But I always think the mummy always has a very interesting like um, mystery behind them, compared to some of the other characters that we get from the from the universal monsters. And there's always, yeah. like, hey, and, like, you know, we still see some mummies, you know, in today, too, you know, like, you know, do we have the that mummy movie that had The Rock and Brendan Fraser, I believe it was? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to, we'll compare that movie to this one before yeah. we're done for tonight. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And also, you know, I was thinking about, too, which is a, a, a random one, you know, that we saw, like, um, how Apocalypse was um, portrayed, it's kind of like a mummy as well. And that mm-hmm. um that um that X Men movie that came out, I believe it was around like 2018, something like that. Something like that. Um, yeah. Don't Apocalypse forget the Tom Cruise one. Yes, the Tom Cruise one, the Mummy too. So Tom Cruise Mummy movie. Yeah. So there's still Mummy movies that even come out to this day. It's just very interesting that the character, uh, it's like a it's like a well known style character, but it doesn't to me it doesn't get as glorified as like Dracula or Frankenstein or the werewolf. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it, yeah, well, I mean, he, the mummy is not as dynamic as uh, those other characters. I mean, you know, like Dracula is like super dark and super romantic and, you know, the wolf, everybody loves a werewolf. And then, you know, Frankenstein is iconic, but the mummy just kind of, you know, he just kind of stands there wrapped in his little loin cloths or whatever those things are called. Yes. And, you know, he doesn't, doesn't really do a lot. He just kind of walks slow. He doesn't even talk. I don't think any of the mummies talk. Yeah, and it's pretty um, slow, you know, very, very calculating. Um, it looks good coming out, you know, in the ring, a mm-hmm. little slow. Exactly. I think my favorite mummy was probably that one that came out to help out the giant for WCW Halloween Havoc, and they pretty much raped Hulk Hogan in the middle of the ring. That was my favorite mummy. I think he was called the Zodiac. Uh, was Really? <laughs> was the Zodiac a mummy? Was it the Zodiac, or what was it? Zo- no, Zodiac is Buddhist Bruce Beefcake. Oh, that's character. right. The Zodiac. Yes. Are no, you no, talking no. about the yet the, the Yetai? The Yetai. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Yetai. Yeah, that was the Yetai. Which the, I'll never forget Tony Schiavone saying that. Yes. Yetai. This that's the most devastating mummy you'll ever meet in your life. I know it's out of the eighties, <laughs> but if I find that scene, I might post it on the Retro Blood Facebook <laughs> just because I love it so much and. It's so I don't bad. know what the hell they were doing to Hulk Hogan. They were just freaking humping him to death in that match. <laughs> <laughs> That's something oh, I kind of wanted to do. Um, little side note, like maybe one time for a special on our one of our Lights Out shows, I can challenge you to watch Halloween Havoc because you know the Lights Out, we can do whatever the fuck we want. Exactly, there's no rules. There's no rules. So maybe instead of doing a movie one time, we'll do like a Halloween Havoc. That'd be very fun. But yes, it would. Speaking about talking about wrestling and stuff, let's get into our history segment. How about how about you know? I want to. I Allison over here got a surprise for us when it comes to pro wrestling. But 
How about we talk a little bit about metal first? Let's give metal some love over here. So let's do it. I love metal. Me too. And I don't think we have talked about talked about this band before. Even though I'm surprised we haven't, because they're a very prominent thrash band. Like they're not like you know. I think they're they're pretty much in the conversation of being one of the best thrash bands. And I'm pretty sure we have talked about them, but um, I don't think we actually talked to them in depth before. But uh, so our boys Venom. They released their yeah. track, Welcome to Hell, December 1st, 1981. So 10 days before this movie dropped, because Donald the Mummy dropped on December 11th, 1981. 10 days before, we'll be racking out to Welcome to Hell from Venom. What can you tell us a little bit about Venom? And Venom's like one of the, they're like, I mean, they're a classic metal band. I mean, they're like everybody, or I would say nearly anybody who listens to metal either listens to has listened to Venom or listened to something that was influenced by Venom. They were definitely, you know, one of the first black metal bands, I guess. I think they have a song called Black Metal. I mean, that, I don't think it was officially called that then. And what we think of as black metal now, it's definitely not what Venom was doing. But they were definitely like, they had the whole thing going. You know, they had the the Satanism and the thing and the goat goat symbolism and the pentagrams and had all that shit going in, in the late 70s early early 80s which is like really ahead of its time for sure yeah definitely um you know with the spikes and everything you know with some of their tracks and everything <clears throat> the logos and stuff it's something that you would see like you know a lot of um you know a lot of like thrash heavy metal darker side bands going boy you should mm-hmm. check out this picture i got going on <laughs> They got the little spike, the spike dog collar. Oh yeah, going on. Well, with that was the, the thing then. Yeah, you got the little playing with no shirts on. You yeah, know, I got. The, I mean, this is 1981 too, so you got to consider that there's not a whole lot of this going on. Like yeah. now, that kind of stuff, you know, like with Slayer and all that kind of stuff, that was like really that has become it's become a really normalized thing. But back then, like having like satanic imagery in, in the early eighties was not a very common thing for a band to have. Yeah, exactly. So you know you're not gonna find these at the local Walmart. <laughs> this mm-hmm. this t- title track. Um but yeah I mean like you know just a lot of good riffs, a lot of good song titles. I think they even still play today um when they go out there and a couple of the, the tours and stuff. But uh some of the track list from this Welcome to Hell we got the uh, Sons of Satan, uh, starting off hot. Welcome to Hell, the title track to the album. Uh, Schizo, Mayhem with Mercy, Poison, Live Like an Angel, Die Like a Devil, Witching Hour, <laughs> 1,000 Days to Sodom, Angel Dusk, In League with Satan, Red Light Fever. There you go. It kind of just puts it all out there, doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't really, doesn't really hide anything. Hey, hide nothing. This one, just <laughs> no, like fuck it, we're putting out all that shit out there. It would go from welcome to hell to in league yeah. with Satan, and anything you know, and it does doesn't really hide anything. It's, it tells you the kind of journey you're on right yes. from the beginning, right? Yes. And what we'll do is we'll play a little bit out them at the end as well. Maybe I'll post oh, yeah. a couple um, videos of, of Venom and stuff. But definitely a very, <clears throat> very fun band. Uh, very, very thrashy, very dark instead. But I definitely see us uh, rocking it in the Transam, making our oh, way yeah. to go see the the Dawn of the Mummy. Dawn of the Mummy. And where do you think this was playing at? An American? Do you think it was in theater somewhere, or like you had to go find the shit in the fucking? Uh, I think right next that... to the porno section. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that it was maybe one step up from the porno theater. I think that it was probably playing in drive-in theaters um, because all these movies played in drive-in theaters because <clears throat> drive-in theaters were notoriously low budget. So they would get whatever cheap movie they could get to get people to come in for $5 a car to watch it or whatever it was at the time. So I could see this movie being like a on a drive-in double feature with something else. And, uh, and horror movies did really well at drive-in theaters for this reason. Um, but, you know, it was probably playing in, you know, third-rate movie theaters that couldn't, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't get a print of whatever the new big movie was that week or whatever. And then they couldn't get the second biggest movie for the week. But, you know, hey, we've got a copy of Dawn of the Mummy. You can you can play that for a week and it, at least it'll give you something to play. And like, yeah, sure. Why the hell not? We'll just play Dawn of the Mummy for a week and see what happens. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people, I don't, not now, but back when I was in the theater business, like I knew a lot of people that worked in theaters in that time and played all these amazing movies that I love now as just like, you know, this is our shit movie that we've got to play for a week or two or whatever to fill a time until we can get Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever. Um, you know, I knew a guy who ran, who played, you know, Gates of Hell, which was uh, City of the Living Dead, which is like one of my favorite horror movies ever, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about on this show at some point. Um, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, holy shit, you ran Gates of Hell at your movie theater? And he, he looked at me like I'd lost my fucking mind. <laughs> but like, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. I mean, that to me, that's like, you know, like, wow, you saw the Beatles? You know, I mean, maybe not quite that that to that extreme, but I'm like, I love that movie, and I'm like, wow, man, to see that movie in a theater would be fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, this movie, not so much, not so amazing, but it's still a good movie. I still love this movie. Though. I still liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, it has some fun parts to it, which we'll get so into. So we were probably going to the more seedier, rundown parts of town to watch this movie in the Trans Am. Yeah, is what I would say. Who do you think out of this cast would like Venom? My money's on Omar. He seemed like he was down for anything. He's he's like excited um, for the wedding. You know what I mean? He's fucking, yeah. uh, he's so happy to have a bride. He's like, fuck it, I'll just listen to anything that's American. I, I would agree with that. Like, <laughs> Omar was the very, like, uh, whatever whatever the Americans do, that's what I want to do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Maybe Gary, our boy Gary, he might be down with some venom too. All right, well, what do you got for us on the pro wrestling? What are we going to be, where are we going to go to? What are we watching? What are we doing? What are we driving the Trans Am to? All right, so we're at December 11th, 1981, which is the night that Dawn of the Mummy was released. Um, so we get two competing shows that night, and okay. they're not that far apart. I mean, we could have feasibly gone to either one of them. So I'll, I'll tell you the cards for these shows, and you tell me uh, which one you would rather have been at. Okay. So it's December 11th, 1981. It's cold as shit outside. Yeah, cold as shit. Cold as shit. WWF is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the Civic Arena. Uh, 9,000 people showed up for that. Um, so here's your card. I don't. I probably won't tell you the whole card, but here's here's the card. Yeah, Dominic. The De, okay, so Dominic Danucci defeated Baron uh, Mikel Skichiunia. I don't know who that is, and I can't even say that guy's name. Foreign heel? Um, okay. <laughs> um, Bruno Sammartino Jr., who is David Sammartino. Ooh. I uh, defeated Jose Estrada. Okay. Johnny DeFazio defeated Bill Berger. Oh, okay. Bill Berger. Yeah, here we go. So now we're into the big, big parts of the card, right? Yeah. The WWF Tag Team Champion, Mr. Fuji, 
Okay. This is how this is worded. So the WWF Tag Team Champion, yeah. no S, no S, Mr. Fuji, gotcha, defeated Tony Atlas via DQ. Okay. So I'd love to know the story behind this. Interesting. Um, the the WWF World Champion Bob Backlund defeated Don Morocco. Mm-hmm. Uh, SD Special Delivery Jones defeated Jim Grabmeyer. Okay, Grabmeyer, gotcha. Yep. WWF Intercontinental Champion Pedro Morales defeated Tag Team Champion Mr. Saito. So now we have our Tag Team Champions on the card, yes. but they're not as Tag Team Champions. Well, we got to spread out the uh, card, brother. you got to yeah. spread out the card. Uh-huh. And then your main event that night was Pat Patterson, who okay. defeated Angelo Mosca. Okay. And this is not a terrible card. Not terrible, no. I just... No, it's not a terrible card. You got a couple so do you want to comment people. on that, or do you want to hear the do you want to hear the Crockett card from Richmond the same night? Oh, okay. Well, first of all, first of all, we have Mr. Fuji, which I always forget who that was a wrestler. <laughs> I always remember him as a manager. As a manager, exactly. But I know I think he was a pretty good, decent wrestler. Obviously, Pat Patterson. You know, later on, obviously, I know him as a stooge guy and a guy who helped behind the scenes, but he was also a fantastic mm. wrestler as well too. Man, so yes. So one of that, the best intercontinental champions ever. To be honest with you, during this particular era, since I did see some of Pat Patterson's work, I would probably be pretty excited to see him wrestle because he was really good. I'm actually, you know, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of the babyface Bob Backlund, boy, that guy could definitely get it in the ring. Even I was more a fan of the psycho Bob Backlund the, the the fucking losing his mind. <laughs> Bob Backlund. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and of course, you know, SD Jones is, is good stuff. So, you know, it's a decent card. But what do we got in Crockett, though? You know, Crockett so is Crockett, usually a little bit better, like, for, like, live performances. Yeah, that's true. And they were much hardcore, more hardcore from the time, I guess you could say. So, Crockett ran in Richmond, Virginia that night at the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. It had 6,400 people there. Um, so I'm assuming that this, uh, card is in order. I'm, I mean, in fact, I'm sure it is because of the way it's written out. So you have the NWA world heavyweight champion, Ric Flair, who defeated Ole Anderson, which is weird to think about because, you know, three or four years later, they would be part of the four horsemen. But, yes. You know, Ole, Ole, and, you know Ric Flair defeated, and cousins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ric Flair defeated Ole, uh, black Jack Mulligan defeated big John stud. Jake Roberts defeated Gene Nelson. Jimmy Valiant defeated Chris Markoff. Sergeant Slaughter defeated Paul Jones. And then your main event of the night was Rowdy Roddy Piper and Ivan Koloff, who defeated Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. Oh. Okay, so we got to remember that. We are in 1981. Mm -hmm. Okay. A lot of these guys, like Ricky Steamboat... Jake Roberts, they're like kind of like just getting their feet wet. You know what I mean? So I don't know if they, I don't know if they would be like the most prominent stars to go see at the time. Even though, like, I would definitely want to go to this show more than the the Fed show because even at their younger years, you know, Jake Roberts, you know, all those guys like that, like they can get it done. You know, they were like getting it done in the ring and stuff. So I think when it comes to popularity, it looks like the Fed is beating that. That's probably why they get the bigger house. But this 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 uh, Crockett show is really good, especially you got Ric Flair on there, you know. So yeah. I mean, this is before Flair was huge, but yeah, yeah, he was. I mean, he was the NWA World Champion, so he was like he had made it. Yes, by that point, this is pretty much when we're like we're kind of like doing the the. This is like the thing about this Crockett show, though. If you think about it, compared to the Fed one, is 
this one is like more of the building blocks for what we'll see later on in the 80s. You know, we got Ric Flair yeah. there. We got Ole Anderson there, big in the 80s. We got Jake Roberts, huge in the 80s. Ricky Steamboat, huge in the 80s. Roddy Piper, huge in the 80s. So this one, like, I think, like, if I had, like, hindsight, I definitely would have went to this show first just because you could see some of these stars before they blew up. Yeah, you know that's I mean? true. And, and it seemed like the Fed show, like, you know, Mr. Fuji, you know, S.T. Jones, Bob Backlund, they were stars at the time, but they would eventually fade away a little bit towards the the later half of the 80s. Yeah, for sure. Like the biggest, I mean, draw probably on that WWF card would have been Backlund and Morocco and Patterson. Yeah, even Patterson, he didn't wrestle too much later on the 80s as well. So a lot of the people from the the Fed show were kind of like, you know, they were still big stars, and that's probably where they were drawing the house. But they were the 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 process was about to happen where they were going to go for like more younger, more cartoonish stars. So, and and it just so happens on this Crockett show, they took a bunch of people from this Crockett show and made it with the the Federation. So it's just yes, kind of interesting. It's just kind of interesting that, that the switch right now. You know, it's weird to talk about. Like you said, Roddy Piper was on the Crockett show, right? Mm-hmm. Like, look how big he was in the 80s for WWF. Yeah, so he wouldn't be there for more than a year or two, probably. Yeah. I think by by 83, he was gone for sure. Yeah. You know, so crazy. he was signed by Crockett for sure. Yeah, and just like, you know, look at Ricky Steamboat. Like, Ricky Steamboat is a guy who did go back and forth a lot. But, you know, he had a prominent big run in the WWF. Yeah, that's true. So, and, and obviously Jake Roberts did as well, too. Like, that's probably where you get most of his fame was from doing that run mm-hmm. in the WWF. So it's just very interesting to see the back and forth um, when it yeah, comes absolutely. to all that as well, too. So, but yeah, definitely, um, <clears throat> yeah, definitely the Crockett Show to me, I think has a fan, as, as a fan, this is me personally, as a fan, I've always liked to see like new up and coming wrestlers. Um, I probably would have want to go to the um, Crockett Show just to see some of the new flesh blood that's out there. So I think that might be a win for me. When it comes to that show, what yeah. about yourself? No, I would have saw the Crockett show. Um, I, I mean, I you know, probably I would have probably wanted to see the Crockett show more than more than the 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 Fed show because uh, honestly, most of those people on the Fed show I would not have been real familiar with because we didn't get to see Bob Backlund down here. I didn't know who yeah. Bob Backlund was until the nineties. Yeah. Um. So we didn't get to see the WWF down here at all. Now maybe if we had cable. Uh, maybe I could have, but like on regular television, like on terrestrial television, what they call it, like yeah, I mean I could watch Crockett, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, you know, um, but yeah, I would have definitely gone to see the Crockett show, but just to see, uh, you know, it's just so weird that you know Flair was in the opening match of that night, and I and I would imagine that this is actually how this card was laid out, because everything else sounds sounds right. Yeah. Um, you know, so Flair maybe what Flair was like, you know, look, I just want to go on first and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Go back home. Go on an hour and night, everybody. Speaking of Flair, yep. before we get into our Don on the Mummy review to bring it down to like nowadays times, how do you feel about Jim Crockett promotions coming back for Ric Flair's final match coming this SummerSlam um, weekend? What's your thoughts on well, that? Allison? I mean, I've been going, you know, I mean, we've been talking about this for a week or two and we, yep. I've been going back and forth on it about how much I, you know, like I, you know, like I, 
I want to go to SummerSlam. I just got so much stuff planned for this summer that I don't know if I can fit it into my schedule, but I really want to be there and I'd love to see this flare match. Yeah, no, me too. Even if I didn't go to SummerSlam, I, I, I would like to go see this flare match. I mean, I don't, I mean, he's 73 years old, so I don't know how good this could be, but I kind of want to see it. Yes. And it's, so basically, what it is, everybody who's not familiar. So basically, the SummerSlam weekend here in uh, 2022, uh, mm-hmm. they're bringing back Jim Crockett promotions for a one night only, a part of the StarCast uh, event. And, you know, we talk about Star, you know, Jim Crockett promotions because, you know, Jim Crockett promotions was just huge in the 80s. You know, and obviously our show is built around wrestling and metal and horror movies of the 80s. So it's just really fun to see that the, the, the owner, you know, the, the guy who putting on the event, uh, um, Con, uh, Tom, Conrad. Conrad Thompson. Yes. Yeah. He's putting on, he's doing like this one like little wrestling show and he's naming it in honor of Jim Crockett Promotions who passed away and, you know, just doing the whole event to, to, to mirror it. So I thought, you know, doing the show and everything would be very fun to go to that event. And of course, it's also being billed as Ric Flair's, you know, final match, which is probably going to be either a six man or a tag team match. But obviously, he'll go in there, he'll do his spots, he'll do like his little spots, you know, little, probably like his major spots in the ring, probably like the, the face fall down, maybe, yeah. I doubt he'll do the top rope one, but you never know. Um, you know, he'll do a couple bumps and stuff, he'll do his little firing up and chops and everything, so I think it'll be fine, you know, I think people were worried about it, because, you know, Ric Flair had those medical issues before, he has like a pacemaker in his heart, you know, so you gotta yeah. be careful. And he's when 73. It, 73, so my guess is there's gonna be... Uh, maybe Jay Lethal might be involved with this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just guessing. I don't have no idea. Jay Lethal might be involved with this match, and I can see FTR being in there too. So some some well, sort of I, com- combination. I had heard. I don't know if this is true. I mean, this could just be a rumor. This could be dirt sheet, dirt sheets, brother. But I had heard that it was going to be Steamboat and FTR versus Flair and the Rock and Roll Express. Gotcha. Uh, I think I think Steamboat turned that down. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I think that was confirmed that he turned turned it down. So, I mean, I to me, I probably would have done like Flair and FTR versus Rock and Roll Express and somebody else because you know Ric Flair and Ricky Morton had a really pretty good uh, rival. Uh, Actually, now that I think about it, maybe that's what it was. Okay. Maybe it was Steamboat and FTR. No, Flair. And, yeah. <laughs> that's what I said before. Flair and FTR. Yeah. And um, Steamboat and the Rock and Roll. Yeah, I mean, because if you think about it, it if you think about it, like FCR, man, they could have fit perfect in the Four Horsemen. You know what I mean? Like, uh, oh yeah, for sure. Like no problem right there. So, but yeah, we'll see. We'll 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 try to go there. Maybe we'll do some live commentary if we get ready to make it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, everybody. If we can make it. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But let's get into the Dawn of the Mummy uh, preview. Uh, some of the stuff that was going on around the time of Don and the Mummy, like the what was happening during the production. So one interesting fact I found over here about Don and the Mummy. So apparently this was one of the movies that was getting the uh, the good old video nasty treatment to it. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess I could kind of see that. Yes. Um. But it. But there there are way more graphic movies on that list than this one. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, for the audience out there that doesn't know, Allison, can you tell us what uh, just a little rundown of what the video nasty uh, pandemic thing was? 
<laughs> pandemic. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, I mean, we're we're Americans, uh, James and I, and we we transmit from the United States of America where free speech is a thing. And, and but there's a lot of countries where um, I wouldn't say free speech is not a thing, but they do censor movies a lot more than they do in the United States. So England specifically had a uh, in the Thatcher era when they went real right wing and real conservative, they had like a, a um, I guess a committee is what you'd call it of people who would decide if a movie was obscene or not. And we're not talking about like porn movies and things like that, but like horror movies that had a lot of blood and gore and things like that in them. And the exorcist was on that list. Uh, nearly every Italian horror movie was on that list. Evil dead. We talked about being on that list. Um, I think Motel Hell was on that list. There was tons of movies that people in England couldn't see until fairly recently, like into the 2000s. Like we're talking about like people in England couldn't watch Dawn of the Mummy until like, you know, 10 years ago or something, 10 or 15 years ago, probably. Um, so, um, so this movie made it on that list because it was too gory, apparently. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's just kind of weird for me to think as an American you know, of, of countries that would just tell you that, well, you know, you can't watch this because it's too, it's too, it's too violent or whatever. I just think that's weird, but that's just the way I think about things, I guess. Yeah. So some of the stuff that they did, so, you know, with the, the, the video nasty stuff. So, you know, this is just what they cut off. So they, you know, they had, a, so they pretty much trimmed down the movies, the trimmed down the movie uh for more of the graphic scenes so they apparently they did one minute and 43 seconds were cut from the 12 different scenes in the film some scenes included the mummy ramming a machete into the character's target head a man being gutted by the zombie and scenes where the mummy's the mummy's undead servant feast on several characters so the cuts were all uh, the cuts were all um put back in the 2003 anchor bait dvd so when they right. released oh the yeah part, so yeah, so this movie was edited. It wasn't. It wasn't completely banned. Some movies were yeah. completely banned. Yeah, but this so, movie was. You're right. This movie was edited and not banned. Yeah, so pretty much they just edited all the the the, fun, the best parts of the movie. Basically, they edited. <laughs> yeah, so they cut that machete scene out. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the best parts of the movie. I know. It was all hanging there. Yeah. <laughs> so a little bit about it too. So apparently, Dawn of the Mummy was filmed in Egypt for real. All right, we yep. ain't fucking Hollywood in this fucking Egypt. That's just the real Egypt. Yeah, we went to real Egypt, real pyramids. Uh, the real pyramids, brother. We ain't, we ain't even gimmicking the pyramids, all right? This ain't no fucking mummy with a rock in it. No, brother, we're doing the real shit, all right? So I guess this was like a mostly Italian crew. Uh, and I guess it was like people were mistaking this for an Italian movie, which I thought it kind of was an Italian movie, but apparently it wasn't. Yeah, I did too. I think I even said on the show that it was an Italian movie, but it's it's really not. He just used an Italian crew. Yeah, so apparently it's like it's like it's like a mixture. It's an Italian American horror film. It was directed by Frank Angerma. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see what he did. He was he was Egyptian. So I yeah. actually have some history about him. Actually, nice. strangely enough, I, I I knew this off the top of my head without looking it up. Boom! Go ahead. Um, but yeah, so basically he was one of the people who started Harmony Gold and Harmony Gold was at this point time where they were a movie production company, obviously, because they produced and made this movie. 
Um, but the thing that I know Harmony Gold from, what, and most people probably know Harmony Gold from it that are my age, where was that they in the early to mid eighties, they were the one of the first companies to try to bring Japanese animation to America. Um, there had been Japanese animation shows that have been shown in America that were heavily changed, you know, to be more Americanized, but they were the first people who tried to bring that I can think of that tried to bring like true Japanese animation to America. So they were, they, uh, they hired this guy named Carl Masick who would, um, you know, try to, uh, he would take the Japanese anime show and then he would, um, uh, uh, localize it for, for, for a United States audience. And uh, he brought Macross over for the first time under the name Robotech. Um, that's probably the most famous thing he ever did. And Mace, Carl Masick in anime is, is circles is somebody who's like um, kind of hated by a lot of people and, and he's loved by a lot of people. Um, he did really do a lot for anime in America, but he also kind of bastardized a lot of the stuff that he brought over and changed stories and subplots and tried to make things work and um, and uh, that kind of thing. But that's how I know, that's what I know Harmony Gold as. But at this point, they were just, they hadn't hired Masick yet and they were just a, a film production company. And Frank Agrama was trying to make uh, a horror movie set in, his, in Egypt because he was from, he is Egyptian. And um, this is what he came up with. So I actually have some pretty interesting facts about our boy. Um, I say his last name, Amagram. I say it Agrama, but that may not be right. I don't know. Let's go with Agrama. Okay. So our boy, who did Dawn of the Mummy on October 26, 2012, was sentenced to three years of uh, prison by an Italian court for tax evasion. So apparently the charges were in relation to a scheme to purchase overseas film rights at in, uh, inflammation prices through over, over offshore companies. The three-year wow. term was never served in, in accord with the 206 law intended to reduce prison overcrowding. So Agrama and his co-defendants were also ordered to pay a 10 million euro fine. That's so, a lot yeah. of money. Yep. So our boy did a little tax invasion. I guess he was trying yeah. to purchase some rights and didn't sell them for high more money and stuff. So Yeah. I know that he got involved later on with Silvio Berlusconi, who was like the prime minister of Italy for a while. Mm-hmm. And he also owned uh, the football club AC Milan. And he got he was like he got involved in a lot of like um kind of shady like money situations. And I think he got involved in some kind of like um, underage girl scandal or something and had to step down. And um, yeah, so got, got kind of dark. But at this point, Agrama is just trying to make a mummy movie. Yes, with a bunch of models. With a bunch of models. He's looking to uh, make a whole lot of stuff going on over yeah, there. What a, weir- what a weird-ass subplot. <laughs> or plot point, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. All right, well, everybody, let's get into our review of Dawn of the Mummy. Egypt, land of the pyramids, a nice place to visit. Now I'm going to be clear sailing all the way. But would you want to die there? 
Dawn of the Mummy. Sephiramun, ancient pharaoh of Egypt, has slept for 3,000 years. In an undiscovered tomb. <laughs> Only now to be awakened by invaders searching for his forbidden treasure. Dawn of the Mummy. What terror have these young Americans brought upon themselves? How will they escape the Pharaoh's deadly wrath? His armies rising from beneath the ageless sands to avenge their master's honor. Stop him. There is nowhere to hide. They just keep coming. Armies of the living dead, thirsting for blood. They are everywhere, and their quest for vengeance knows no limits. Try to stop them. No! But you can't escape from the dawn of the mummy. All right, everybody. So we start off the movie. We are now in Egypt. We have some uh, people just uh, hanging around, you know, working a little bit, working in the desert. And out of nowhere, we get some raiders. And they start attacking everybody and taking their kids away. And everybody's all upset and there's madness everywhere. And then we get we get this whole spiel <laughs> about Sufferman Man. And how he is going to be locked in this tomb for... <laughs> there's something about this speech where this girl was saying. She was like, okay, I'm going to get every plot point out of what's happening in this <laughs> tomb very clearly. All right? And she was like, listen, everybody... The tomb is going to... This guy is staying in this tomb. Nobody should open this fucking tomb because they do... All these people that are going to die in this tomb are going to come back as flesh-eating zombies and they're going to kill everybody. <laughs> okay? <laughs> if you get if you mess with separate man, he's going to like freaking... He, he's going to come back. He's going to kill you, right? That's why he's here. This is, what, this is what's happening. Listen to me. I am this <laughs> wise lady. You should listen to me. Now, why is this wise lady saying all this stuff and doing it? I have no idea. But she is this is this is what's happening. So she gets yeah. a group of like I guess um I don't know if they were servants. I don't know if they're like cult leader people. I don't know if they're just like, hey, we love this Zephyr Man guy, we're gonna die with them. But they all get in this room, they all hug his his tomb. All right, she leaves the room. She's like, Fuck, I ain't fucking dying with this guy. And she's like, All right, nobody enter here. If you do, you'll be fucked. And of course, we're in present day <laughs> and we have um 
we're in Egypt again, and they're blowing up tunnels, and this is when we meet Rick and his crew. Now, I didn't necessarily get their names too well. I think one of his names is Kirbib, and the yeah, other one... and Tariq. And Tariq. Kirbib, mm-hmm. Kirbib, Kirbib and Tariq. <laughs> right? So Kirbib is the one, I'm pretty sure he's the one that's like very nervous about everything. Like, he's like, mm-hmm. I don't think we should be doing this because of the curse. I don't, you know, this and this and stuff. He looked pretty ups- uh, uh, upset. Now, Rick and his other guy, fucking uh, 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 Tariq, they were fucking so happy. Like, you cannot get the grim, the, the freaking smile off their face. Okay? <laughs> These guys, they look like fucking, uh, they, they reminded me of some, like, comic book villains. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, yes, we are going to get our gold. We're going to blow up this tunnel. And there might be some deadly curse that this old hag is telling me, but fuck it, I'm going to get my gold. And, of course, we it's, get the It's very comic booky at this point. Yes. And so if you're on... Um, this is kind of funny. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, when we do reviews and we're talking about things, you know, you, we check out the good old Wikipedia. You know what I mean? Here and there. You know what I mean? You yeah, get it's a couple handy. Of, if, if I forget the people's names, it's handy to get their names. Here's what uh, here's what Wikipedia has named the high priestess, the girl who is telling us about everything. Apparently, the high priestess from millions of years ago, when she entombed Superman, uh, she has now been turned into modern day into what Wikipedia tells me an old hag. <laughs> well, I mean, it has been like five thousand years. Yes, and boy, she was like. I, I don't know if I can even do it. You should not open the grave. You're going to get cursed by Zephyr Man. She was just going <laughs> crazy on these fuckers. And they're like, oh, whatever, you old bitch. Get out of here. <laughs> we want that gold. We want that gold and stuff. So they're all like happy about this gold. And it, we got a couple back and forth. And then eventually they leave because they need to go pick up some more dynamite. All right. And then this is when we get a crew, a random crew of like just, uh, I guess, the village people, village people, people village from the people. <laughs> people from the village. All right. They're like, oh, well, fuck. What's that American guy doing? He's like, he's going to this tunnel. It's like, oh, that must be separate man's tunnel. Let's go in there yeah, and see, get this gold. You can't do that. It's uh, anybody who who who, who, uh, who unseals the tomb will die. Yes. It says. So nobody was listening to the old hag who used to be the high priestess. Mm-hmm. They were just like, fuck it, I'm going to try to get this gold. So these, this is kind of a weird, though. So these three go into the tunnel, and they don't even last two minutes until their mace, their, their, mace, their face keeps melting off. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, did, did these guys turn into those zombies? I think they did, right? Uh, Sure. It's hard to tell. Yes. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to say maybe. Because I counted, like, when when our boy, Superman, uh, and I'm guessing that's his name because they said, they said like, three different versions of his name. But um, he only looked like, a, like six people that were in there. But then at the end, there was, like, fucking zombie mummies everywhere. So mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing that maybe uh, he turned a couple of the village folk into undead mummy zombies. Maybe. Okay. We'll go with that anyway. So anyway, their face gets burned off, and then, bam, we're randomly in New York. I'm like, okay, shit, okay. And the credits just happen. You know, here's the credits now. So I was like, this is right, like a yes. TV show? Like, what's going on here? Like, boom, the credits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, the weirdest part is, like, they're playing out this, like, 
new age 1981 fucking 80s music and like fucking uh, there's just some <laughs> random girl like taking photos on a fucking uh rollerblades and then we have like the longest scene of just people walking in new york like i was like are these like the characters we're supposed to be meeting or who are these people just <laughs> randomly walking in new york for okay we're just nope. showing it why are we even showing new york Okay. We're showing that because to show you that it was filmed on location in New York, which yes. is a very Italian thing. Yeah. So like a lot of movies would do that. Uh, taking a break for a second here, but a lot of movies would do that. Like Zombie uh, 2, which is a movie we're going to do on the show at some point. Um, that movie was shot in New York, but only for one day. And the rest of it was shot in Rome. So they would go to New York and shoot for one day and then insert that footage in there to show you that, hey, we shot a location in New York City, the real New York City. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Look how far we went to Egypt and New York. But yeah, so anyway, we're in New York doing yes. typical 1980s stuff. And I basically, I put in my notes, it looked like a JCPenney's commercial. But <laughs> 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 the whole time. So yes. then we are now on an airplane. And I think it said Trans World, but it could have said Tron World. I, I kind of it was kind of a quick, quick little yeah, Transworld was a really famous airline at the time. Okay, so it is Transworld then. Gotcha. Probably. So this guy, so this is just an airplane, and we have this guy dubbing it. Hey, I got these models. Uh, we're doing this fashion magazine in New York and shit. I'm, I'm t- sending them to Egypt and shit to get new photos. Okay. <laughs> so now we have. So basically, the plot is there is a models. They're all going to Egypt to do filming. And <laughs> for some reason, for some, I guess for like, so, uh, so like, it's like a, for a magazine. So I guess they I were, guess so. yes, they're, you know, well, this is, this, this can't be too uncommon because, you know, in the fashion world, it's all about the scenery. So maybe yeah, whoever true. was part of this fashion magazine, JCPenney's probably, they're like, Hey, how about you guys go somewhere exotic? Oh, where's exotic? Well, we got this fucking Egypt over here. You know, there's nothing bad ever happens in Egypt, not like dead zombie monsters anywhere. So you guys should be yeah, fine. Let's, let's go all the way to the other side of the world to the desert. Yes. To take these pictures. Sure, why not? So we got a couple of characters we meet. All right, they're all now. I, did you notice the scene where they're like driving in the jeep, and you can like yeah. tell there's like a green screen behind it, and they're driving? I thought that part was cool. It kind of reminded me of one of those old James Bond movies. They used to do that. Right, where the Jeep's stationary, but there's a green screen with the scenery behind it, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So we got two cars full. We have Lisa, who is a blonde, and she is uh, shacking up with Bill. Bill is the photographer, main manager guy of the magazine. We have Gary. Mm-hmm. Hey, Gary. <laughs> What's going on, Gary? This fucking guy. We have Gary. We have Jenny. Uh, we have Melinda, and we have Joan, all right? And that's our crew when it comes to the uh, the models. They're all driving around, you know, just talking a little bit, blah, blah, blah. You know, we got a couple of girls taking her, you know, her toenails and stuff, and they're looking at some pyramids. And for some reason, they just passed the pyramids. I guess they're, they want to go to some more exotic Egypt land. Like, you know, when you're thinking about, like, fucking, you know, doing a magazine, in Egypt. Like, wouldn't your first be like, okay, where's the fuck? You know, we go to the pyramids. Not this crew. They're like, fuck it. Nope. We're going they somewhere else. They have something else in mind. So now we get a flat tire. Um, Gary is now being lazy. doesn't want to help out any. And then eventually, um, Gary and this uh, the other one of the models, I think it was Lisa, 
they're just like, you know, racing each other. And eventually Lisa falls down. She finds a dead head. And they fucking freak out a little bit. Yeah, a severed head, yes. Yes. And But they still move on, though, because they're like, oh, that must, just must be the normal thing that happens in Egypt. We just have dead heads hanging around everywhere. So this is when we have uh, 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 the, 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 the sad helper, uh, Kirby. Yeah. All right. He is now going into the tunnel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going back because he's bringing in some more dynamite. This is when we have the whole crew like Rick and, uh, and Turk. And they're all about to blow up more, more to get into the tomb. They're trying to blow up a couple of different layers to get into the tomb. And one funny thing is, did you notice the uh, dynamite box that they carried around this whole movie? Mm, I don't think so. What, what was going it's on? It's like a blue box that has a skull and, and a skull with crossbones on it. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, I, yes. thought, I don't know why I found that so funny. It's like because dynamite is dangerous. <laughs> yes. So we don't want to put dangerous dynamite. We want to put skull and crossbones on this thing. Right. Yeah. Because uh, I, I, you know, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe people don't recognize dynamite and they eat it or something. I don't know. Does. So of course you know, uh, uh, what the fuck is this guy's name? Khabib. He is worried. He's like, this is the the famous move of separate man. <laughs> so like the only person, okay. So I had to keep saying separate man because the yeah. only person who said the name like that was this fucking uh, high priestess. Everybody else said his name different. Right. So okay. So I thought I thought that maybe that was just me. No. But yeah. So people did say the name differently throughout the whole yes. movie. Yeah, they said it like Sometimes it sounds like they're saying like Sephirama, and yes. sometimes it sounds like they're saying like Sephiraman. Yes. And I'm like, so they did really say it different through the yes. whole movie. Yes. Okay. Because but I just think it was just so funny when the, the high priestess said it that it was just stuck in my head. It sounded like some sort of cartoon villain. Yes. Right, yeah. Sephiraman. The, 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 the Legion is back at their doom. No, no, no. The Legion of Doom is back. Let's hear from the most evil master of the of uh making zombie ever let's hear from Sep, the mighty zephyr man, zephyr man. Huh. anyway so one funny line i don't know if you caught it is when they got in here then they got they finally get into the tomb all right and i, I don't know if it was kirby i think rick was like hello hello and then like kirby was like is like no rick was like is anybody here and then like kirby is like how's anybody supposed to be here like it's the tomb <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, like there's just somebody gonna be waiting in there on the tomb yes. in the tomb for him. And boy, this Rick, you never seen a more happy person than this guy. This guy, like, I mean, he looked like the fucking, you know, you know what he kind of remind me of is um, remember the guy that played the Green Goblin? Um, William Defoe. Yeah, William Defoe. You remember William mm-hmm. Defoe smiles? He has a very like animated smile. Yes. Boy, this Rick. Fucking tops that shit. This guy was smiling and grim the grim everywhere. And he was fucking acting well, like a cartoon villain. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's going to be rich, right? He found the Pharaoh's treasure. Yes. Of Sepherman. Yes. They look all around stuff. Our boy Khabib looks into a vase, doesn't find anything. He said, like, the gold is here. The gold is here. We just got to find it. We will find it. And then this is when, like, Rick's partner shows up. This guy was weird. Like, I think his name was, like... um, um, I don't. I think his name was um, uh, Muhammad. So Muhammad shows up. I guess he's like in cahoots 
with Rick. And their plan is to get rich because they want to find this gold t- together. And I guess Muhammad, he was the one that was um, f- financing the operation. That's what mm, I got out yeah, of all this yeah. stuff. Right. And then they eventually just leave because they want to like do some more exploring tomorrow. So now the model people, uh, this guy like drops off the model people, but you find his name uh, later on in the film. And I think it was Ben Har, or I called him Herb the whole time, but I guess his name is Ben Herb. Herb. Yes. <laughs> I, I thought they said his name was fucking Herb. So I guess he is like their their Egypt uh, tour guide, kind of. Or he's like the Lazazion or something. I would say it. Lazazion. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's the guy. I took it. He's the guy. The guy that was like the uh, translator and like the the guy the go between between them, the models, and the Egyptian culture or whatever. Yes. And apparently, like they don't get no hotel or nothing. They just camp out this whole trip. It's like so fucking whatever yes, magazine. Apparently so. The cheap magazine. Yeah, they don't they don't have enough money for hotels. So this is when we get daylight. Now the whole group's traveling. They're trying to basically they're trying to travel around the whole Egypt to find a good sh- uh, place to shoot. And this is when they bring up like, man, we fucking should have just shot out the pyramids. <laughs> like <laughs> no shit. That. It was like, nah. We he's like, okay, whatever. Like, <laughs> um, so they're looking for a place to shoot. Uh, yeah, this is when they bring up like, man, we should just went to the, to the pyramids and stuff. And this is when we see the uh, the the Ricks and his crew bringing in some more dynamite, some some TNT to blow up some more passage wage to get into the to the uh, the Sefer man's tomb. So I guess the models they find a place to shoot at. Um. So Ricks clearly blows up more doors, and this is when they finally find the tomb of Sefer man. Cyberman's tomb has now been open to the world. Okay. Finally. Don't we be finally dumb. got dynamited the tomb enough to open it up. Don't be too excited over there. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> all good. It's all good. So, so basically it was like, um, you know, and then the whole time this could be good. Listen, man, I'm not seeing no treasure here. All right, he's like, never mind about the treasure. We have now found him. He will lead us to the treasure. We will find the treasure through him. Um, so the models are now shooting some more and stuff. Um, they open the uh, so they open more some tomb area, and uh, they don't see. They're trying to find some gold, but they still can't find any of the gold. And like you know, Rick said, there has to be a treasure room somewhere around here. And it was all like. Separate man doesn't need this treasure. I need the treasure because I'll use it more than he will. Yeah. So at this point, what I, what's going through my mind as I'm watching it is they're trying to make it to 90 minutes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, I feel like at this point, there's like, there's not that much story in this and all the stories in like the last 30 minutes, but they're like trying to get this movie to 90 minutes long. Yes. This is what I'm getting out of most of this, this parts of the movie. Yes, because the next scene is randomly our boy, uh, Khabib, he is now shooting at the models. And Rick's like, what shooting the fuck? At the models? You? Yeah, he was shooting his gun at the models. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, he was. Yes. And Craig's K- like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, well, these I see some people over there and they're going to try to steal my gold. 
He's like, they're not trying to steal gold. They're probably just taking some pictures around there. Now I gotta go talk to him and shit. So Rick goes to talk to him. He apologizes. They're all like, hey, what are you guys doing here? And I don't know. I think it was Melinda. She was like, oh, look, there's a cave. Let me go in this cave. Hey, I'm just like, I'm just going to go in the cave. Uh, there could be some sort of zombie uh, Egypt curse that I wasn't warned about in school or nothing. So I'm just going to walk into this cave. And then they basically. Sure, I'm sure it's fine. So they all just like walk into the cave. And Rick, he does a bad job of trying to stop them. He's like, oh, you guys shouldn't go in there. Okay, you're going in there. You sh- there's nothing to see here. We're just on an expedition. It's like, yeah, nothing to see here. Okay, they're going in anyway. Shit. <laughs> so they go in the tomb. And everybody's all like, oh, wow, this is what better to shoot. Well, no shit. You probably could, could have got that like 30 minutes ago, or like two days ago when you just stayed at one of the pyramids. They're like, I think it was Bill. He was all like, let me see if I can react. Let me see if I can do Bill. All right. Let me see if I can do all right, <clears throat> I'm gonna try to do some of this overacting these people did. Guys, we just found a hidden tomb. This <laughs> is perfect. We could take all the shots we want on the magazine. It could be Hidden Tomb Magazine. Uh, <laughs> what did I do? Did I do a good? Did I do a good, Bill? Now I wish we had a, if we had video I, if we if we had video my fucking face would be smiling the whole time, all right. <laughs> so the the group now has decided we are gonna take pictures here, and then you know Rick's kind of like well fuck, and then eventually he was calming down. He was trying to calm down um Turk and Kabirb, all right, and um he's like looks and they're probably not trying to take our gold and stuff. They probably don't know about it. They just want to take some pictures. So maybe they'll take some pictures and they'll leave. Okay. They probably don't even know about the gold, right? Yeah, yeah they probably don't even know about the gold. So, this is when we get, we get, now they're taking pictures and everything. They're doing pictures here, pictures there. Uh, Gary is in there taking pictures. I'm not even sure what he was supposed to be. It was just some dude in a suit. All right. Um, and, you know, like, Rick's telling, still trying to tell him, like, hey, they're just trying to take these pictures. Um, they're not, you know, They'll get out of here after that. And during this, Suffer Man, the mummy, starts to bleed acid. Mm-hmm. Have you ever bleed acid before, Allison? Only when I'm really angry. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's a lot like, uh, like he's bleeding acid like the alien and alien. <laughs> exactly. So this is a weird scene, though. I, I, I couldn't really tell. So Rick seemed like he was like fine with them taking pictures, you know? But eventually, like, they all, like, they seem like they're about to be done for the day, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're all taking the final pictures around the tomb because they all looked at the tomb of Superman. They're like, oh, shit, it's a real, it's a real fucking zombie tomb or mummy tomb. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, look at it, it's real. Yeah, yeah, imagine that, right? Yeah, imagine. Yeah. So they're taking pictures. Then he just, like, cuts the lights. And they're like, oh, shit, the lights are out. Well, let's just go. And then, like, um, it was uh, Jenny, and I, she's the one that grabbed something, and she burnt her hand. She starts freaking out, burning and burning and burning everything, and eventually Bill cuts it short. Uh, he cuts it as a wrap. So then, this is a weird scene, too, because it didn't really go anywhere. So Jenny's hand is, like, still burning at nighttime. Like, mm-hmm. I thought, like, maybe because, like, her hand, this is just speculating at this part of the movie i thought because of her hand was burning and stuff maybe she'll turn into one of the mummies but she never did she just had a burning hand 
Yeah, she was, yeah. It was like a plot point that meant, went absolutely nowhere. Yes. Oh, there was one funny scene too where they were like searching around the tomb. Like Rick and his crew were like some like rats were like jumping on um fucking uh, uh Khabib. <laughs> and there's like fucking uh he was all like, Man, it's just rats and everything. He's like freaking out. He was like, Oh yeah, it's okay. So <laughs> he was like walks off like, Yeah, it's okay. Um, so let's see. So this is when we get this is when we get uh, Khabib. He goes to the tomb after hours. Oh, okay. And now he cuts open Sufferman and he finds uh Egypt Egyptian candy canes. Egyptian candy canes. That's what it looked like to me. You know, they little, yeah, like, I think. <laughs> you know, the little staff with the little hook on it. Yeah, like some kind of like artifacts or something. Yeah, Egyptian can. We'll call them Egyptian candy canes. I'm sure that's the uh, scientific term for them. Uh, I wonder if I'm a heel on this show. What do you think? Maybe sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, maybe you might you might be the heel on the show. So this guy fucking gives these candy canes. He's all happy. He's like, yes, I found the treasure. That's right. And then he hears something. He's like, what is that? He goes into his room, and then something just knocks him out. And then, and then the gate falls on him, and then it opens up, and he gets dragged away. And never see our boy Khabib anymore. He's gone. Okay. So it's the now next what morning. What drug him away? I don't know. We didn't see it. Just exactly. <laughs> yeah, just like was... so. So it's weird though. So one of the things I thought was weird so far is how come when the three original village people. That didn't sound mm-hmm. right, but that's basically what it means. The village people, when they went there to the tomb, how come their faces burn off in the first minute? Yet we got this crew of yuppies over here, fucking models and shit. They're taking pictures and everything in the tomb, and they're fine. So, well, it's it's because the plot needs the models to last longer. So you're telling maybe I I think I know what it is. I think our boy Zepperman likes like fashion. You know what I mean? He's like, you know, we got a couple miles in here. We got this crazy Rick guy. They could do their thing for a little bit. Maybe I'll just get them slowly. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I was I was thinking that maybe 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 Sefferman just likes dislikes hot girls. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, could be it. So this is when we have Rick and we have Turkik. He is coming in to the tomb. He's like, oh, look, we found the gold. Where is he? Where's the, where's the Khabib at? Where is he at? And then, and then shortly after that, the model crew shows up, and then they hide all the uh, Egyptian candy canes from the crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now they're taking more pictures. So this is when they're taking more pictures. They do a little bit more pictures and stuff. Um, this is when <laughs> one final line. I think Rick he goes up to Melinda. Is all like, you know, you look as just as good as the fucking uh, mummy does. Our boy Rick, this guy, he was just like fucking, and the girl was buying he's, it. She's like, "Oh, you think so? Yeah. You think I look better than this dead mummy?" He's like, "Yeah, <laughs> he's he's pretty smooth, right?" He's a smooth guy. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna try the next time I see yes. somebody in a bar. I'll be like, "Hey, you look, uh, you look better than a dead mummy." <laughs> well, see, Allison, yeah, you gotta do it in the right context. You know what I mean? Uh, right. You gotta go to Egypt. You gotta find a hidden tomb. You gotta bring some hot piece of girl. I was gonna say hot piece of ass, but I don't want to be too much of a heel on the show. You gotta bring some mm. some lovely lady to to a tomb. And you're gonna be like, listen, you're just as good looking as that dead mummy that's about to kill me earlier, or, <laughs> or sooner. <laughs> anyway, yeah. enough, enough playing yeah. around. Let's get some serious over here. 
All right. <clears throat> so we got um so now like the when, when everybody leaves after they're done taking their pictures, Rick's done flirting everything, the separate man has now woken up. So the shit is now hitting the fan. All right. Yep. So these horses yeah. are now going wild. You know, because you know, every time a, a, a spiritual being comes up, the animals always feel it first. And this is when we have uh Gary fucking guitaring it up over here and then jo- and <laughs> then Jones says like hey the horses are going crazy so they go check out the horses and stuff and um then they see a dead horse uh oh all right and they're like oh shit that's crazy so the girl starts screaming and stuff and eventually it was uh, Melinda she sees one of the undead zombie mummies and she screams and she goes right into Rick's arms of course he's just there and then this is Rick. Rick is telling Bill, Gary, um, uh, Joan, like, hey, you know, this is a dangerous place. Maybe you guys shouldn't have came here. It's a dangerous place and stuff. And he eventually puts um, Melinda to bed. And, like, the dubbing of this movie was kind of weird. Because, like, you could tell, like, it was done in, like, post. You know, a lot of the, mm, oh, lot, yeah. like, a lot of the dialogue. Because when Gary puts her in the bed, you, you can hear... Melinda perfectly is saying, oh, oh, thank you. Oh, yes, yeah, I'm fine now. Oh, thank you for doing for stopping in. So this is when Bill's like, listen, man, I know you said this place is dangerous and stuff, but I really need to finish up this shoot. Like, we don't give a shit about your gold. We don't care about these undead zombie things that they supposedly saw. I just want to get this shot done. And Rick's like, okay, yeah, you're cool. We'll do that. It's like, they agreed to like um, be to, to let him shoot more in, 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 in the tomb without any problems. So after this, we see a hand come oh so gently onto our girl Melinda. And at first you might think it's one of those separate man zombies, but no. It's our boy, Rick. He's like, are you okay? And she's Making like, the move. He's like, she's like, oh yeah. And then they start fucking getting it on. Mm-hmm. So our boy, Rick, all he had to say was one line to get this girl. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck man. Like, that's some smooth shit. All he had to do. Sometimes it's, yeah. Sometimes it's that easy. Our boy Rick, he got the moves, man. He told this girl she looks better than a mummy. Mm-hmm. He fucking catched her when she fainted. That was probably still the deal mm-hmm. right there. Yep. He put her to bed. It was very nice. He fucking just came back there and smashed the shit. Good job. Good job, Rick. Yep. <laughs> All right. That's our boy. Making it happen. Taking one for the team. Uh, so after this, um, the crazy old hag is back. All right. She is talking all about Sephir Man. She's now into the tomb. She's looking around everywhere in the tomb. She sees everything. She finally runs into Sephir Man. She's like, you don't recognize me. I'm so-and-so. He doesn't, and he chokes her. And then we never yep. see the crazy lady again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought she would have a much larger role in this movie when she was like the person that was telling us all about every, all the bad shit that would happen. But yes. uh, basically, she just ends up getting killed by the mummy. Yes. Now she was she only came back to say a line: "The dead will rise again." And then we see the dead rising again. Oh, this scene was fucking cool. Yeah, that scene was cool. All the mummies or zombie mummies coming out of the the, the, the desert. Sand. Yeah, with the, with yeah, the sun behind so, it. Yeah, yeah, that was so metal. I love that. So, like, you know, this movie did have really good effects when it comes to the zombie mummies and to the mummy itself. I thought, you know, and then the gore was, you know, not too bad in this movie, too. So, it had a really good effects to it. So, I gave him an A-plus for that. 
Mm-hmm. That was good. So for some reason, this doesn't go anywhere either. So Bill is taking pictures of Rick leaving Melinda's tent. I guess maybe he was going to use it for blackmail later on uh, or something. Maybe. I have no idea. So now the whole modeling crew, they all meet up. They all want to leave. They're like, this place gives me the heebie-jeebies. Uh, Melinda got scared. You know, this girl burned her hand. We should go. And Bill says, listen, you know, we, we, we need to get the layout. We're not done. Get, we got a bunch of pictures. We need the layout now. Like, fuck the layout. So he's like, listen, we did two days. We need the three days. So he's like, we, all we need is the 48 hours. Two more days. We'll just, if you do two more days for me, we'll go and we'll give you all bonuses. So Rick is trying to like, Bill is trying to like save the whole crew from leaving by giving them bonuses and making them stay. Yeah, like I got to, I don't know shit about modeling, right? But how long does this take? Well, you got to get a bunch of Does it really take them four days for them to shoot these pictures? I think so because I think they had to do different outfits and different gimmicks. Because remember when we saw them again, they had some like shit on their face to make them look like mummies. No, yeah, okay. All I right, guess. Good point. Good point. I guess. That's the I only guess thing I could think know. of. So now they're, they're shooting in the tomb now. Uh, Lisa uh, needs to take a break. Bill, she's like, I need to take a, I need to take a ten. No, I need to take a five. And he's like, Oh, take a ten, take a thirty. So uh, Lisa looks around. She eventually runs into one of the Zepperman's zombies. She starts freaking out and showing up everywhere. They all go follow her. Um. So, and then eventually, Gary, he needs to do some hookah. Yes. All right. He is going to town and needs to smoke. All right. Yeah. He goes to town with the guy that's uh, Ahmed or whatever that guy's name is. Yes. Uh, And then eventually, um, uh, Bill, uh, I think Bill goes into town with them. So when they go, well, I know, I think Gary just goes into town by himself, I think. He goes, yeah, he goes with um, Ahmed. And he goes mm-hmm. in town. This is when he meets Omar. Mm-hmm. All right. And then Omar is like a really nice guy. He's getting married and everything. He gives him the hookah. And actually, I think this is when we have um, uh, uh, Melinda is over there with the with Gary uh, to, to do some hookah. So they both do hookah. Melinda couldn't really handle the hookah. So she goes and um, walks around town to follow um, people doing shady things, which I'm not even sure if, they're, if they were doing shady things or not. But they could have been. Yes, they could have been. Uh, and this is one we basically meet Omar, and he's basically hitting it off with Gary, saying he's getting married tomorrow, and Gary should come to the wedding and stuff. So the the, the girl, she she's um, I guess I guess the the. Melinda's checking out Zepperman's guys because we have one of the guys grab her and it's the crook. And he's like, hey, what are you doing here and stuff? And then she leaves, she screams and she's going crazy and stuff. And then um, she's saying like, you know, like this place is giving her the creeps. And she she's like, listen, the only way, I, the only reason I came here is to be with you, Gary. Um, and this might have been Jenny. Because that would make sense if Melinda was like the one. Because she just smashed Rick. So eventually, um, after, you know, when Gary and Jenny leave, this is when Separate Man shows up and he 
axes, our boy, uh, Turkuk. <laughs> Did you like that scene or no? Yes. Yeah, that was so so good. Like, yeah. uh, like a thing I liked the most about it was, it, it's so obviously they use like a a prop right for the macheteing scene, but the prop was so extra special. Like I'd love to see a steal a still of the prop. I wish we could like just have that that frame to put on the Facebook page, because I mean it looks just like the guy. I mean it's pretty yeah, it's pretty good, pretty good. But you can tell like yeah, it's pretty fact, good. Yeah. But you can tell like when it switches from like the real actor to that frame with the machete, and then back to the real actor again. So it's like you know you see it's like they shot it like like you and I would shoot a movie, or well, like I would shoot the movie where you show the real actor screaming and the machete coming down. And then the next few frames are the are the the dumb the dummy body where the machete goes in, and then it goes back to a scene with the original actor with a prosthetic on his head with a machete in it, all in like just like split seconds, and it's it's amazing. It's just amazing. Yes, loved it. So the next scene is we have Lisa, and we have Jill, which we haven't talked about. Jill, she is kind of like just a background character. She doesn't really do too much. But she, uh, Jill wants to go swimming. Bill, well, he doesn't want to go swimming. And eventually, Joan, she goes, she agrees to go swimming with Jill. And this is when they're talking about, like, Bill, apparently he's been sleeping around with all different models. Lisa's just the newest one to get trapped into it. And then Jill, I mean, um, yeah, Jill asks, like, Joanne, who does she sleep with? She sleeps with black dudes. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember. Does she say that? She she says she likes her man's like dark, super dark. So that means okay. So that, and that's what you got out of that. Yes. Okay, I got you. Well, maybe that's what she means. So we have Jill and we have Joan, and they're swimming in this lake in Egypt, right by their campsite. They're having a good time, sloshing around. Joan eventually leaves. But Jill, she wants to keep on swimming. So Joan leaves. She gets past a mummy zombie hand. But Jill is still alone. And Jill's like looking around. She's like, okay. I'm in Egypt. Swimming. I'm by myself. And now there's a crazy bird. Making some weird noises. I better get out of here. Yeah. This is always a scene in 1980s horror movies though, right? The yes. girl that swims by herself and then gets killed. It's in Friday the 13th movies and yes. all kinds of things coming up. We had to add that trope in this one. Yeah. So she gets out, she puts on her uh, outfit and of course she's like, Gary? Is that you, Gary? <laughs> Fucking Gary. It's like, no, Gary's <laughs> Gary. over there getting hookah. All right. Yeah. So now, nah, Gary and all them are back in town already. But she's like, Gary, is that you and everything? And boom, she sees a fucking undead zombie mummy, freaks out, runs away, eventually gets uh, grabbed by the mommy, the mommy, the mummy hand, the mommy, yeah. the mommy, the hand in the fucking desert. She gets grabbed by that and they eventually like bite her neck and stuff and she gets sucked down into the abyss. Yep. One more gone. She's gone now. And he bites, yeah, he bites her neck and shit. So the next morning, now we're on the next morning, Bill wants to shoot no matter what. All right. And then now uh, Rick, he like is overreacting now, seeing his fucking, his friend dead. All right, he's like, oh, fuck. He's like going crazy on him. 
Okay, so now um, this is the ne you know the next morning, and like I said, Rick is like overacting, you know, seeing his friend dead and stuff, and he, he he's like, oh shit, this is like the 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 mummy did it, you know, and he's all talking about like the mummy is apparently known as the god of the sun. All right, and now the crew is so the crew is basically like fed up now because now they cannot find Melinda. All right. So, Melinda is missing. And then now, Rick. now, now Rick is now overact. He's like, over, he's like, his freaking face and stuff is overreacting, seeing this treasure. All right, because he finally found the treasure of the mummy. He's like, so he walked in the mummy place. He found his friend dead. He's like, oh, fuck. He's, you know, the guy dead in the butcher shop, but I must go to the mummy place because I know what's happening. He's like cursing Sufferman. Yes. He's talking about the God of the Sun and all this stuff. And he's like, eventually, like he's like just like crawling on the doors, and eventually one opens up, and it's the treasure. He sees the treasure. He is the happiest kid. Like this guy was a kid in the candy store. Yeah, uh -huh. it doesn't matter. That his friend's dead at that point. He just he found the gold he was looking for. Yes, he found the gold, and he fucking found this gold. And who shows up? Sufferman does. Yep. And they talk about separate man, I have your gold and stuff, and then he eventually chokes his ass out. And there goes our boy Rick. Yep. That's what happens when you only care about the gold, right? Yes. You don't you don't respect the culture. Yes. You get killed by the mummy. And the whole time the the Marlin crew just wants to know where, where uh, Melinda's at. So I might have done a little boo boo. I think Melinda was the girl in the lake. Jill, Melinda, same shit. Anyway, so <laughs> So no, they, no, um, no, wasn't it Jenny that's in the lake? Jen, no, no, Jenny was the one with the hand, right? The burnt hand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, she, all these models are all like, <laughs> but no, yeah, like she's Jenny's the one with the burnt hand. So, oh no, it is Melinda. Yeah, it's, you're right. It is it is Melinda? I just looked it up. Melinda's the one that went swimming in the oasis or whatever, and they, and then yeah. gets her throat bitten out by the mommy. Okay. Yep. 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 Here we go. All right, here we go. So now the plan is for Bill and Gary to go downtown, you know, to go to the village to look for Melinda. So they run into Omar while they're in town, and uh, Gary talks to Omar. He's like, hey, Omar, I thought this was your wedding day. Why are you working? And Omar's like, listen, you know, I got kids. Kids mean they mean to eat. Eat means I have to work. So that's why I'm working. So, okay. Exactly. Exactly. So this Omar guy, he knows what's going on. He's like, oh, there it is, there's my wife. And then we see his wife belly dancing and shit. And then eventually Bill, he's the one going to looking for Melinda. So he goes to Rick's uh, little shack. He doesn't see Rick or Melinda there. So eventually Bill goes all the way to the tomb. And then uh, Gary is going to stay there because he has now been nominated to be the best man. And I thought, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Like he just randomly makes this guy's best man. And he's, he met like two days or a day before this. Yes. <laughs> and I he thought gives him I, his cowboy hat or whatever. Yeah, he gives him his cowboy hat. Yeah, and I thought this was going to be a swerve, but it wasn't. So Bill is now in the tomb and now Bill finds the gold. And boy, this guy was trying to revel. He was like, the director was like, okay, Bill, you see how this Rick guy smiles and overacts? I need you to do that. And Bill's like, oh, I'll top his ass. Because he goes in here. He sees all this gold, and he is smiling and grinning ear to ear. This guy is so fucking happy. He's like, Rick, Rick, 
fucking where I got this gold on me and shit. And then the fucking he gets the gold and everything is about to walk out and then fucking Rick's head falls on his arms. And he just terrifying. like fuck he's terrified. Yeah, that, that was a cool scene. And he just throws everything and he runs out of there and he gets on his car and he just chases on out of there and speeds off. <laughs> so this is when we get uh Jenny. She loses a contact. And I know her pain because I've done that before. She's like, damn it, my contact. I was like, yep, I feel your pain. And she apparently, I guess with one eye, because she only can use one eye, it depends how bad her vision is. But she sees a mommy. Uh, oh my God. She sees a mummy. <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying mommy. She sees a mummy zombie and she freaks out. All right, then eventually Bill shows up. Suffer man's there. Bill tries to shoot the suffer man, but nothing happens. And eventually Superman chokes his ass and burns him and fucking bites him and shit. And there goes Bill. He's gone. And all the other girls are like, well, we got to get the fuck out of here. So they all, so they're all like, so we got, um, we got Lisa. We have, uh, um, Joanne and we got, um, Mm -hmm. Jenny. They're all kind of like on horses. They're trying to escape. But Jenny, she couldn't escape. So she basically got eaten. By the, the the mummy zombies, and the other girls were like Lisa and Duran are like, oh fuck, fuck her, we're out of here, we're going to town, <laughs> we gotta go find Gary. Right. So now people are rapidly getting killed. So like the, yeah. the what struck me about this movie was like the first like I don't know forty five minutes was so slow, where they're just like nothing's really happening, and now like people are just dying right and left. It's almost like they wrote the back end of this movie. And then, like, well, we got to have something for the front end of the movie, so let's write something. Yeah. So now all the action is out. Yeah, and like in this, like, it seems like there's like more zombie mummies than there was like in that tomb when he got buried. Like, there's like there seemed like there was just more than like six. It seemed like there was like almost like well, twelve or something. There's more. It seems like there's more than actually came out of the sand. Yeah. Like you know, there's like you know, there's like five or six or whatever that get buried with him. But then, like, the mummies come out of the sand at dawn, which is, why I guess, why it's called Dawn of the Mummy. You know, and there's, like, six of them coming out of the sand in that scene with the sun behind them. But now there's mummies everywhere. Like, I yeah. don't know where these extra mummies came from. So we're back in the village. They're all celebrating. And Omar's like, listen, you got to see my bride. We got to see the bride. We're about to see the bride. Here's my bride. He opens up the curtain. <laughs> Somehow, Sufferman and all the zombie mummies have teleported from the tomb where they ate Jen. They are now at Omar's wedding. They snuck into where the bride was, and they're now eating the bride. So, Sufferman, not only can he withstand bullets, not only does he have acid hands, but he can also do teleportation. Apparently so. Apparently so, because he can get around. They seem to be able to get around with nobody noticing them moving large distances. Yeah, and I thought this guy was fast either. Like he was pretty slow, so there's no way no, he could. No admit. mummies are very fast, unless he took one of them jeeps or something. <laughs> he could have been. Maybe he's like Michael Myers, where it's like, okay, you've been locked up for like 20, 30 something years and stuff, and you probably never drove before. But you're, you know, how did you get out? Well, you escaped in a car. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, somebody must have taught him. Yes. Maybe somebody's taught Sufferman how to drive. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, uh, so you know, this is when after all this happens, the town freak, the town folk freak out. Everybody's freaking out. Then there's all those mom, mummies, zombies, bite and shit, and take care of them. So we have a bunch of massive craziness going on over here. And one part I thought was funny was Gary. He does some kung fu on a, on a, on a zombie to kind of get that him away. That was amazing. <laughs> that other part was funny. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that coming. I, yes. I, I real honestly didn't. I did not see the kung fu and then, scene coming. Yes, and then like um, a lot of the times with these like mummy zombies, they would just like ramp somebody and they would just fall down and bite them. Like so, there mm. wasn't like a whole big struggle. And I did like it where like you could tell like these um, mummy zombies weren't trying to even play zombies. They were just like acting normal. So, but they <laughs> they look good though. <laughs> they look good. They look good coming out. Uh-huh. Right. So this is when we have uh, uh, Lisa and John. Uh, uh, this is a, this is when we have Lisa and Joanne. They show up. All right, and they're like, "Oh shit, the town's going crazy and everything. We gotta find Gary." And uh, eventually, they run into the um, the guy who was in cahoots with uh, Rick uh, at the beginning of the movie. Um, all right, and then he is the one who had the shotgun. He was shooting everybody, shooting all these zombies. They're all freaking out. They eventually go into Rick's hideout. He's trying to call the cops, but they eventually attack him. Lisa and uh, uh, Joanne, they're like, hey, you know, I'm pretty sure like Melinda and Jenny are all dead and stuff, and we're not sure about Gary and Bill are all dead. <laughs> but we gotta, we got to take this dynamite. we got to throw this dynamite on this mummy. Maybe it'll stop him. So, <laughs> this part's really funny. So, we're back at the campsite, and we have uh, uh, Ben-Hur, the fucking, you know, the, the translator guy. Yes. He just brings, he's, he's like out there with some like random white dude. And they, they go, they go to go check on the camp, and they see the, the mummy zombies. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh shit, the, what the fuck's going on over here? Let's get out of here. And I guess the white dude was a little too slow, so he got like attacked by some zombies, like he was getting pulled. This fucking guy, like Ben Hurt, he was like, "Fuck this! I don't give a fuck about this guy. I'm gonna get out of here." So he just like speeds off, doesn't even try to help him out at all. He just speeds right off while the guy gets eaten. Nope, it's time to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Mummies are eating people. So he eventually gets out of there. This is when we have um, Lisa and Joanne. They're like throwing dynamite at the fucking uh, um, Zephyr Man. Mummy. Doesn't work. Yeah, Zephyr Man. Nope. Doesn't work. They're like shit. Uh, they, they, they eventually run into Herb and they're like, oh, this guy's chasing us and we just need more dynamite. So they come up with a plan. Their plan is to use Rick's ultimate dynamite and they're going to trick Sufferman into Rick's shack and blow him up. All right. So they, they, that's what they do. Uh, eventually, we had we did have some cool scenes of uh, Superman acting like Nemesis from Resident Evil. He would just pop yes. out of nowhere, break out of walls anywhere. So that part was pretty cool. But eventually, they trap him into Rick's shack. They fucking light the place up. They jump out the window. He jumps in, blows up the shack. Gary appears. The fuck was he doing? <laughs> what a mark! Where's he been the whole time? Yeah, where's he been? Shows up. They all celebrate. They all leave. And of course, we get the old. Mommy's hand is risen for a sequel that, that will never happen. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking for a sequel that will never happen. Yes. Now, they did do a remake, so, apparently. Yeah. 
I was going to bring that up. They did do a remake of this, which I really wanted to watch before we did this. But Prisoners uh, of the yeah. Sun. Yeah, someone saw this movie and said, hey, let's remake that. Yeah. They're like, you know what? This fucking Sefer Man guy, he doesn't get a lot of love. I'm going to make a fucking remake about him. All right. Maybe we'll do that one day for Lights Out. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll, see. we'll do the remake for, of Dawn of the Mummy. Yeah. If we remember. We'll see. But everybody, that has been our Universal Monster Month here on the Retro Blood. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I was talking about vampires, werewolves, Frankenstein mummies. Talk about some, uh, some lost boys out there. Some motorcycle vampires. Some uh, fucking uh, Stephen King werewolf silver yeah. bullets fucking Gary Busey shit going on over there talk about some Jeff Goldblum comedy gookily gobbly shit and of course we're talking about Donald the Mummy so definitely pretty interesting how they portrayed the universal monsters so far in the 80s I would say yeah um, I mean it's not something you would expect to see but uh, we did get uh, versions of the universal monsters in the 80s somewhat yeah, definitely. So, you know, I say a good, a good series overall. But next month, everybody, we are heading to June. And me and Allison were talking, you know, June is a time that you go outdoors. Possibly go to the lake. Mm-hmm. Possibly go to the beach. Possibly mm-hmm. have a couple bonfires, tell little stories out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're Maybe if you're younger... Or if you're like in that teenage years, you might be able to want to go to visit summer camps. Summer camps. That's right, everybody. Here, and if you're older, you could be a counselor. You could be a counselor trying to get some booty at the summer camps because, you know, that's why you really go to the summer camps. You don't go there to help uh, kids play and have fun. No, you go there to get some booty. All right? Yes. That's what it's all about. Because we're talking all about summer camps here on the Retro Blood in June. And we're not going to be, now we're not going to do the whole, you know, obviously there's a shit ton of summer camp movies that surround horror movies. And obviously the most famous mm-hmm. one is obviously Friday the 13th, but we're saving that yes. Friday the 13th stuff for later. Yeah. We are getting deep and dirty because we are doing, of all things, we are doing sleepaway camp. Yeah. We're getting a classic. Classic, brother. Can't wait. Mm. So we got sleep sleepaway camp one coming up for you next week here on the Retro Blood, and we'll be talking all about summer camps, maybe some of our experience at summer camps. You know, talk about movies, what was happening on wrestling during the time, what was happening in metal. You know, maybe talk about some summer festivals, some stuff like that. So it's going to be a very summer edition here on the Retro Blood. But mm-hmm. let's see what kind of uh, music we should uh, leave everybody with. And let's, Allison, do you have any final thoughts on um, Universal Monster Month or Summer Camp Month coming up or anything? Well, I mean, I think we kind of covered the Universal Monsters thing. Um, Summer Camp. I'm excited about Summer Camp. This is going to be great. Um, I never went to a Summer Camp. Um, Everything I know about Summer Camps comes from horror movies, which makes me kind of glad I never went to one. Perfect. Um, (laughs) Because there's always a killer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a sleepaway camp, if you haven't seen it, that'll be your homework for the week. Watch sleepaway camp and we'll meet here again next week. And, uh, you will not regret watching sleepaway camp. I can promise you that. 
No, you won't, everybody. So how about we leave the the good old audience over here with some venom? Yep. So how about we do the song, which would be pretty good that uh, Donna the Donna the Mummy would like. He'd probably like the Angel Dust song. Let's do it. Let's do it, everybody. This is Andrew Dust. This is Venom. This is the Retro Blood. This has been Universal Monster Month for Jay Allison, for James Klein. If you guys are planning on doing some modeling trip, make sure you bring yourself some uh, good old spray, some good old pictures. Just be careful. Some dynamite, brother. We'll see you guys later. See ya.